May is Foster Care Awareness Month, and uh, we're having a little roundtable discussion today. We're going to start with uh, Barisha Black from Foster Care Initiatives. Barisha, first, let's start with, uh, tell us a little bit about that organization. Sure. Foster Care Initiatives really works a holistic approach in helping the families, really preserve families, strengthen families. They do in-home coaching with families, really walking through the system and helping support them when their ch- their children are removed and helping support them through that. Also, um, they help as a collaborative working with Arizona 127, which is a collaborative of churches to help recruit adoptive and foster parents because we know we need more families to take in these kids now and having over 17,000 kids in foster care. So um, that's what Foster Care Initiatives is doing, a lot of training, um, trauma-informed, trying to help um, help them understand their role in working in a Christ-centered communities and really how the church can play a huge role in helping these families to heal. And let's hear your story because, like I said, I didn't, even when I put out the original invitations, you weren't on the list because we didn't know each other. Uh, but God brought you into the studio, and I'm very excited uh, to hear your story and why you have such a passion for this topic. Yes, I'm always blessed and fortunate when I can share my testimony of how um, being in the system, lingering in the system for 15 years, separated on and off from my um, older sister. Um, I eventually ran away to kind of be with my sister who was older and try to find my own path in life, and we all know that at 17, it's very difficult to get stable and have a life. And so I um, got a call from a foster parent who got my her num- my number from the social worker. She called me up. She was really nice on the phone. Um, and so I agreed to meet up with her, and the rest is history. She became my grandmother. She was 71, and I was 17. And mm-hmm. I like to tell people all that my grandmother had at that time, a lot of the trainings and programs that exist today didn't exist back then. All she had was the Word and was God and knew in her heart that this was what she should be doing. And she really believed in um, just loving you and trusting you and she would call me her angel I like to say and that would you know I was called a lot of names and foster Mm. care angel wasn't one of them and Mm. so I just like to tell people how I describe her is that she loved the mess out of me and I know if my life didn't change at 17 and get on course you know I don't know where I would be and because of her you know and and this testimony is something I really want for all kids to have that permanent connection and know that they can have a life beyond foster care and they can be successful and they can also give back. Mm. Stephen, I, one of the key things that I heard in her story right there was specifically uh, this person that really changed her life mm-hmm. didn't have any real prequalifications, didn't have all kinds of resources. What she had was a willing heart. Right. That's Absolutely. that's absolutely key. That's That's the really the the qualifier the precursor to getting involved in the foster care system is that right that's right and uh, in the many years of recruiting and talking to prospective foster families that's the first place that will jump out as the key indicator that they are ready Mm. and then agencies that uh, are represented here can then give them the next steps get them qualified equip them and christian family care is uh, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is we start with equipping you for mm. this uh, ministry, as we call it, to care for the orphans and to really um, go beyond your heart to now a support system that you'll need, 
um, the church and how it comes into a very key ingredient to your success, your immediate family. So the training and equipping is the, the first step after we see the heart is ready. Barisha, let's uh, continue on your story. Now, you had uh, you you aged out of the foster care system, uh, but you she had made such an impact on you. Is that what made you want to to be involved in social social work? Yes, I, I she pretty much forced me to go to college or supported me to go. I didn't think I could do it. But um, she really encouraged that along the way, and I became a social worker. And I really, you know, attribute that to her and to my last social worker that, you know, gave her my number and connected me to her. And so it just was really amazing social work to have that happen at the time. And I've always been thankful. My grandmother is now 91, um, still a very vital part of my life. And as I've, you know, moved on to get married and have kids and She's grandmother to everybody, and even as I rekindled with my birth parents, she's, you know, connected to them. And so it's really important to have that whole healthy family and really having that support. And this is something that I know that these young people, you know, the most vulnerable children in our country, they need, even as they rekindle back relationships with their biological parents when they exit out of care, they want to make sure that they're healthy and they're whole. And so we have to make sure that families are getting the proper services that they need, the support as they, you know, go through removal, and that they're still getting their needs met as well and that they're becoming healthier. Greg, hearing a story like that, it's got to be encouraging, right, and exciting at the same time. Yeah, it's absolutely inspirational, uh, Barisha's story. Um, it, it, it's what people of faith are called to do, be, be joyful in their trials. And that's exactly what, what Barisha has done. It inspires me because, um, you know, we know that the outcomes for our young adults that, that are in the system that don't find forever families are not good long term uh, when it comes to a successful life. So, you know, Barisha's proof that it's not too late for people to engage this system and, and help our young adult population have a home and have a have a loving person to mentor them into into uh, uh, growing into adulthood uh, so that they can be prepared you know so it's it's just really inspiring to me to see that and and I would encourage people to to uh, find a way to serve in some capacity uh, with our young adults one of the exciting things for me since I've been back on the air three plus years here uh, with the program Koinonia is seeing how the community is starting to get that we need to work together uh, I was at the law enforcement prayer breakfast yesterday uh, with Jose Gonzalez and Arizona Link, bringing the Hispanic community and law enforcement agencies and government agencies together to pray. I mean, that, that I just can't – I don't think I can overstate the importance of us acknowledging as a community that we need to work together. All of these pieces work together together. Uh, much better than any one individual isn't going to be able to solve this problem. The number of foster uh, kids in the system or not even being able to find uh, a home is growing, not getting smaller. At least it has been since I've been viewing it the last several years. Uh, But that is – it's frustrating, right? It's it's disheartening. But – I also can see that we have over 10,000 churches mm-hmm. in the state of Arizona. Yes. If every church was to intentionally discuss this issue and pray about it as a church community and say, well, let's at least find one family 
for one foster child, what kind of impact is that going to have on the on the coffers of the state? Yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I think uh, sometimes we have a tendency for government to almost de-incentivize people from serving in the capacity that they that they can. The faith-based communities are vital. Um, pe- people in the faith-based communities want to serve. They want to be committed to uh, enriching the lives of somebody else. And, and sometimes they just don't know where or how to do that. So we need to be uh, better in communicating with each other how you can serve and, 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 and that people need to be informed about the challenges of foster parenting uh, and, and that we could tailor the amount of service and commitment they give to this, tr- this troubling situation. Uh, not everybody has to be uh, take a child into their home permanently, but there are many ways to mentor and, and be a part of the system to help kind of stem the tide of what we're experiencing out there. Stephen, fear is the number one thing mm-hmm. that keeps people from stepping up, right? Well, fear is the number one thing, right, that keeps people from moving forward in many arenas and most arenas where there's uh, the unknown, the unknown, the risk. Um, how will it impact my family? They're, and they're very valid. They're very valid. Could I just go right back to, though, the point about the 10,000 churches? I find it amazing that as one of my primary roles with Christian Family Care currently is engaging churches and speaking with pastors and speaking with church members and asking for that opportunity to bring awareness around the issue. But what I find amazing is as soon as I say 17,000 and start from there, it's like deer in a headlight. I can't believe how many people just don't know. So we got to realize many people just don't know. And once Christians know that there is that many orphans in the so-called orphan state in their lives, then they will respond. Uh, They will respond. So fear, yes, it's a real issue. And again, it's it's if it's in their heart, though, we as Christians, we know that um, there are many battles in life and. As long as we have a foundation, and and so one of the things I was hoping to share is that with the Christian Agency and Arizona 127 and all the wonderful organizations that uh, have a Christian foundation, uh, those families can get together with those agencies, move forward, and the fears will be discussed through prayer. Mm -hmm. The fears will be discussed through biblical perspective, and we believe once that is established and move forward continually, then we, we understand biblically what we're, how we're to battle fear. Uh, yes, and, 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 the, and it is unfortunate that the 17,000 number is growing. It's more than that now. Um, and we need more foster families to step up and do that. But we have to make sure that, that some of that control that they give up, taking in the unknown, mm-hmm. what, what we're talking about here, the fear of the unknown, the fear of if I open up my home and our emotions and everything to this child, what will happen if, if, if we lose control of that situation? And the, and the information factor is huge. Our foster families, you know, we need to be much better as a department in empowering our foster families and informing them so that they understand the process and are not caught up in this confusion and this, in this uh, you know, this state of, of constant concern. We need to, we need to prepare them better so, so they can step up and then keep a child in the home because we all know that the disruption and, and removing a child from a home once they found a place mm-hmm. is, is just extending that trauma further into their lives. I think one of the other keys, too, is as you mentioned in your story, uh, siblings getting separated, mm-hmm. you know, so families that are willing to take in uh, multiple children, uh, what a huge, huge impact you can have 
uh, on some children's lives. We're going to continue the discussion here. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about the uh, Foster Care Initiatives Group, that's fostercareinitiatives.org, fostercareinitiatives.org. We are going to continue the conversation as uh, this is Foster Care Awareness Month, and uh, we're spending the full hour here on Koinonia with the topic. 